Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So, um, I, um, you guys know, Kevin was kind of sharing, we are committed to um, following the lead of the Holy Spirit in church. Like we are committed to, uh, to offering our time to the Lord and saying, God, this is yours. This is yours. We're not following a script of like, you know, everything we plan, right? Planning allows us to then move into some spontaneous. Um, but I have, we have this very high value for just going, God, we are here to show up for you and you're going to lead and guide. And because of that, um, I am also pressing into that today, and I had a sermon with my intro story and my points, and I really feel like the Holy Spirit is actually leading um, in this moment in a, a different way, and so I'm going to take some risk and step into that. Um, I really felt like there was something powerful on that song that we sang, Let Heaven Come, and I'm wondering, did anybody else sense the Holy Spirit moving in that moment? Put your hand up if you could. I just want to see. Okay, so we are, are together in that. We're kind of, we were able to discern the Holy Spirit's doing something in that song. And um, what struck me, what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, was that um, we have been given this model prayer that Jesus gave the disciples. And the prayer, the heart of it, is that we get to pray in heaven. We get to pray in the kingdom of God, that we can stand on the earth and pray in the, the, the kingdom, the future kingdom of God, the place where God rules and reigns, where he um, dwells in, in majesty and in power and love. We can actually pray that we can stand on this earth and pray that in and that God will, will move through those prayers. But here's what I felt like God was saying, that it starts with this simple phrase, our father, that to stand as a group of people and pray in heaven, it starts with this concept of our father. In that first word, I want to stop around that first word, our, our father. That there is something that is so powerful in a common coming together before our father. People united and connected together in one heart, in one mind that stand in agreement and cry out for heaven. And so I, I want us to take a second, and I was going to talk about this topic, but I felt like God was just putting me into this immediately, into our Father, that we're going to start with this place, that in order to pray in heaven, it starts with this ability to stand together as an hour, to stand together and say, we are one in one heart and mind in agreement in asking for heaven. And you guys, that is where the battle begins. Let me tell you that we have, as, a, a, as Americans, we have done something with this concept of independence, and we have taken something that, that looks like something good, independence, right? And we have lived it out, I believe, to, to, to into the enemy's schemes of independent, which means alone, which means I, which means me, and, it, and we aren't able to come together around the Our Father. It keeps us from uniting around that place. Do you, see, do you see what could be when we can stand together and say, Our Father, that then we can pray in, let, let heaven come. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done right here as it is in heaven. Do you see that there's like, here is the, the way to be, the, this is accessible. Here's how it becomes accessible when we can stand together as our. And so that's where I want to start today. I want us to go back to this concept of the Acts 2 church where, again, this is the model of what we're, we're headed for. We want to be on fire followers of Jesus. 
like those ones where the Holy Spirit rested on them and they went out and lived on mission. They lived as radical followers of Jesus. And we've been looking at what did they do. And we've, we've, we've taken our time around Acts 2.42 through, through 47, and we've looked at what they did to become a church that could live out this radical mission of God that we are still on today, that hasn't changed for us today. And, um, and we're going to just take another look at that scripture. And this is, I want us to see, I want us to see the hour in this, you guys. It is, if you read this book of Acts, especially the beginning chapters that set up all that's to come, it, you can't get away from the theme of together, of our, you can't get away from it. But here's what it says in Acts 2.42. And I'm so sorry for the PowerPoint. I am throwing y'all way off. It's okay if you don't. <laughs> okay, so you guys have Bibles in front of you? Yeah? Okay, so here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders And miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Heaven came. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. There is this concept of together. And if you move down to... um, Acts, wait, I have Acts 4.32. Is there such thing? Yes, there is. Uh, Yes, you just have to flip the page, Molly. (laughs) You're not going to find Acts 4.32 in Acts 2.4. Okay, Um, so here we go. Where, where, where? Okay, sorry, guys. Hang with me here. Like I said, I'm a little off script. Okay, so here we go. All the believers were were, um, one in heart and mind. One in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. Look at this. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. Do you see what happened? They had this ability to to, um, bring the reality of the resurrection of Jesus, the life and death of Jesus, with great power. Why? Because of one heart and one mind. They could stand and and bring the reality of the kingdom of God, the resurrected Lord to the earth because they had one heart and one mind. And I want you to see where this ends up down the road. I love how we get the the full picture. If we just can, we can look ahead and see what this all led to. And this is in Acts 17, 6. Acts 17, 6. And it was about um, the disciples were together and it says they were were trying to um, round up the disciples. And it says, but when they did not find them, They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. This is how the disciples were described. They have turned the world upside down. There was no denying that that God was on the move because the people around them, they were unbelievers, but they could see that the world was being turned upside down from these ordinary, uneducated, normal people that were together that got the idea of together because of the people that could live in one heart, in one mind, in agreement. May it be said of us, these ones who have turned the world upside down. Man, you guys, what would that be like to have that be the testimony about your life, about our life, church, about Thrive Vineyard, a group of people who could turn the world upside down. You guys know that, that Jesus knew 
that what was at stake here. He knew what could be of a group of people that could be to get connected together in agreement in one heart and one mind. And that is why he prayed over us. Like he, he didn't pray that we would be fun. He didn't pray that we would be followed. He didn't pray that we would have, you know, crowds of people and in par- the right parking lot attendance. This is what Jesus prayed in John 17, 11. He says this, he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I love that prayer. And he prays, Father, protect them by the power of your name. Like this requires power, God. Father, pour out your power that they would be able to stay connected to each other. He knew, Jesus knew that this was everything for the church, you guys. This is how he prayed for us. This is how he prayed for us. And then Paul picks up this concept. Paul gets that, um, that, that this was so important. So he's writing to the church in Ephesus and he's writing to them. And he's saying this, he's saying, make every effort. This is where you need to put your effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He goes on to say, there is one body and one spirit. And you were called to one hope when you were called. Here's the picture of the church, one body working together to represent the the ways of God, the supernatural ways of God, the the gracious love of God, the the kindness of God. He said, listen, you guys are, this is it. It's a, it's a, the picture is a body. Have you guys ever um, had a body part be disconnected on your body? No, that wouldn't be a very good thing. Jessica, I love your facial expressions. I... I have never had a body part disconnected from my body. Um, I, yeah, so that's, Paul was trying to get this point across. Here's, the, here's the, the punchline, guys. Connection is crucial. Connection is crucial. If we are going to function as the body, how God designed us to, we have to work together. We have to stay connected, don't we? If we want to be a people who will turn the world upside down, and I am in for, I have given everything for that. Turn this world upside down. Stand in a place and call heaven down. Represent the kingdom of God in my neighborhood and in, in my family and beyond. Yes, we need to stay connected. We need to stay connected. So because connection is crucial, guys, we must fight for connection. This is what we fight for, connection. Right? We fight for connection and we especially fight for connection when conflict is flaring up, when conflict would threaten to pull us apart. And uh, I wonder how many of you in, um, in conflict do what I do, and I am a runner <laughs> when conflict begins. In fact, Kevin and I are, um, we, we met in um, college and we were both working on our master's degree, and when we met, um, we fell in love fast and hard and things just moved really, really fast. And we spent a ton of time together, but, um, we hit a night where, um, we, we started talking. It was our first fight. And this is so funny to me when I think back, but we started fighting because, um, I was sharing with him a sermon from Amy Simple McPherson, who was like an old school preacher. And I was talking to him. Um, I was sharing with him a sermon from the book of Joel, and how God was restoring what had been lost, what had been taken um, from the earth through different church movements. And part of this discussion, um, we started talking about the Catholic Church in salvation. 
I'm not going into details because, um, nope, I'm not. And, but we didn't see, but we did not see eye to eye about this issue. And it got heated. Like, I think this is so funny that this is our first fight. It's all about like theology and like, but man, we both felt very strongly about our sides and we were having this heated discussion. And, um, and all I'm thinking is we're not agreeing. How do I get this guy out of my apartment? Like it's over our relationship. mm -mm, We're done. And how do I get him out? Because I had no skills. I had no, no one had ever worked with me on how to stay connected in conflict. I just knew get out of there, right? Like it's over. Like I have a, um, if you think about the aquarium of life, I have the hermit crab reaction, like withdrawal, get out, withdrawal, get in that shell and get away. Right. And, um, some people have a puffer fish <laughs> in the aquarium of life reaction. And they are like, what does a puffer fish do? Get real big, real scary, right? Like I am the master of this area and, um, and I'm going to get real big. And, uh, if, as I do, then it's disconnection by, by fear, right? Disconnection by like, I will get you to back away because I am so big, right? So, um, so this is what happens in conflict. And I wonder how many of you have experienced either side of that or, or, you know, how many of you, you have, you can look at your family and you can say, yeah, we have disconnection. There are parts of the family that we don't talk to anymore, right? There are parts of the family that we had some conflict and, um, or maybe there's someone at work or a friend that it's just like, you know what, here's, this is how it was for me. Like if I avoid you, I don't have conflict anymore, right? Like if I'm gone, if I'm avoiding you, no conflict, simple, clean, easy, you know, but a very disconnected life. And sometimes it's really easy to like, to, to, to withdraw. But what happens, I know for me, what we can withdraw and we can keep our distance. But what we do is we have this like smile on the outside, but inside we have like a, a pile of hate mail letters that are just cluttering the desk of my heart. I've never sent the hate mail, right? But I'm writing those letters and they're piling up on the, on my desk and, and there they are. Right. But in some ways we think like, if I just can like move on, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But here's the, here's the truth guys. Those letters, those letters actually make a mess. It's like my kids, um, oatmeal bowl. We recognized um, for a while, we would ask the kids, like, what do you want for breakfast? I want oatmeal. Make the oatmeal. Serve them the oatmeal. They have two bites, and then they decide, no, I don't actually want oatmeal, right? And so but we had this deal. We're like, listen, this is not going to work. You have two choices. Eat it or pay for it. Those are your two choices. You can pay me for that oatmeal um, in a service charge. Um, and so the kids found, got, realized this really quickly. And so what happened is they started taking the oatmeal bowls and they would hide them in various places, right, Anna? Or was this just brothers? Brothers knew it. Um, they would hide them. And so four days later, I would find the oatmeal bowl, like in a random cabinet behind toasters, behind shelves. Has anyone tried to clean oatmeal bowls that are four? It's like turns into a brick, right? It's like this gelatin. It's like such a mess. Like just because it's out of sight doesn't mean that mess is going away, right? It is a bigger mess to clean up. And this is my whole point. This is what happens when we disconnect, when we, when we uh, just avoid conflict 
through either pufferfish or hermit crab, right? When we, when we uh, just disconnect in, in, that, in that relationship, what happens is down the road we have a bigger mess. Okay, so we've seen where, what, what could be for a church that stays connected. And we've, we've kind of been able to come to this place of going, oh, we see how I, I, I have a tendency. I have a tendency to disconnect one way or the other. And I want you guys to think for just a second. Think about your own life. And I want you to identify um, where in your life do you feel like conflict threatens connection? Where in your life does conflict threaten connection? Is it someone at home? Is it someone at work? Where in your life? I want you to get that clear in your mind. And what I want to do is I I just want to help today. I just want to offer some insight into the way Jesus did um, with people. And we can see this over and over and over again through the scriptures. And I just want to look at one example of what Jesus did, how Jesus stayed connect, connected because connection is crucial, right? Connection is crucial. So here's what Jesus did um, in John. Can we turn to John 4? John 4. And I do, I, yeah, oh, good, we have it. Okay, awesome, John 4. And so in the story, Jesus is interacting. He's engaging with a woman at the well. And this is going to be a, a fairly familiar story, but I just want you to look at how Jesus engages in the face of connection. And so here's what happens. So I'm going to start in verse 5. Um, so he, Jesus, came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus tried, I'm sorry, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, I knew the, I, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so they, they go on and they have this interaction. And here's the situation. I love this parentheses. I love this parentheses. Jesus is interacting with this woman at the well. But do you see this parentheses? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. For Jews do not. It's like, hold, hold on, hold on. This does not happen. What, what's happening right here, how Jesus is engaging this woman. Uh-uh. This culturally, according to their customs. First of all, Jesus, she's a woman and second of all, she's a Samaritan. Like, this does not happen. And she goes on. They have this exchange back and forth where Jesus is offering her living water, offering her answers. And she, at, at every turn, she comes back with something that honestly could be really offensive. Like, she's like, are you greater than our father Jacob, Jesus? Like, who do you think you are? And at every turn, Jesus continues to move toward her. At every opportunity, a start, right from the even right from the beginning, he didn't need her to be a man. He didn't need her to have good theology. Jesus didn't need her to agree with his principles, or um, he, he didn't need her to live in ways that lined up with his um, you know expectations of who people should be and how they should live. He could move toward her anyways. Jesus could. He could let her encounter truth and love um, and connection that she had never known but always wanted, always wanted. And so here Jesus is showing us the Father's heart. 
And we, you guys, again, you could go through almost any encounter with someone in the, in the New Testament here, but this is the Father's heart. The Father's heart always moves towards people in love, always moves towards connection, right? Look at the scripture. The story of the Bible is, is God pursuing people no matter what they have done, people who have turned their back on him. This, the book is full of story after story from the very beginning, a God who pursues, a God who moves towards despite what's going on with that person, despite that they were unfaithful, despite that they just you know, disobeyed, despite that they didn't believe in him, they didn't trust in him, despite that they had offended him, God always moved towards It's a picture of the father with the prodigal son, right? He is running towards the son who just dishonored him and embarrassed him and disrespected him. In that encounter, when the father hits the son, he didn't say, son, you just made me feel so bad. You just made me feel so embarrassed, right? He didn't withdraw. He didn't withhold his love and treat him like a slave. And he could have, but it's a picture of God's heart always moving towards always moving towards. And here's the deal. And I was thinking about this. This is what we know about God. God is so powerful. He is so powerful. But how, here's how he displays his power. Here's how he uses his power to move towards, to keep connection, to, to move towards with love, to move, move, toward, no, move towards no matter, again, the person that is standing in front of him, their behavior, their response, their ideas, their principles. He is a powerful God and he uses his power to restore connection, doesn't he? Over and over and over. He made that choice, again, to stay connected, to show love anyways. And so that is the picture for us. That we, that just like Jesus used his power to move towards a Samaritan woman, just, you know, despite the fact that, that, that he could have, you know, used his power to do anything else. He moved towards her despite the fact that he shouldn't have and the customs and the expectations. So I want to use this picture of Jesus with this woman and launch us into, okay, so how do we do it? How do we stay connected even in the midst of someone who is offensive or, um, uh, or hurting us or having their own emotions? I'm going to look at the model of Jesus And here's, I'm just going to give us two things. Here's how to stay connected in conflict because connection is crucial to us as a group of people, to us as a church, to us in this day and age who have been, who are saying, we want to see the fruit of our father, the prayer of our father, let your kingdom come. So two things. The first thing is this. I am a powerful person. Just like Jesus displayed his power in this moment, just like God displayed his power over and over again, I am a powerful person. And here's what that means. Um, I recognize that I actually have spent most of my life living powerless in relationships. And here's how I give away power. I use this phrase over and over and over again. You make me so mad. You make me so frustrated. That person makes me self-conscious. You make me act this way. When you treat me that way, you make me. Those are really powerless statements, aren't they? Does anyone else find themselves used? I mean, that, that is my vocab. That's my, like, number one. You know, if you did, like, those word things and it puts all your words out there, like the words you use, you make me so mad. You make me so frustrated, right? But here's the deal, guys. Because I am powerful, because I see this model in Jesus, because I see this model in God's heart, I can stand apart from what's going on with that other person. 
and their emotions and their choices just like God did. And I can still display love. I can still move towards connection. I can still move towards love no matter what. I am a powerful person. So here's the truth, you guys. No one makes me mad. No one makes me angry. No one makes me anxious or frustrated or dishonoring or rude. So in every relationship, I love this little statement from Danny Selk. He wrote this great book called Keep Your Love On. And he says this, this is the quote, I get to be me and you get to be you. I get to be me and you get to be you in this moment. And you, you know what? You might be having some emotions right now. You might be dealing with something right now that you get to be you and I get to be me. And I always, always, always have the power to choose how I'm going to respond to the person in front of me. Always. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that helpful? Isn't that feel powerful, right? I can choose if I'm going to move through you. Because the truth is, you guys, God never controlled us. He never sent, it was always, I'm going to love you and you choose if you're going to love me back, right? I pick you. I choose you. You are the object. You are the one. You are my friend. You are my beloved. But always, we always got to choose how we were going to respond to his love. Same with your relationships. It's the same concept. We don't control others. We control ourselves. So now, again, I'm taking baby steps in this. If I'm having a reaction or an interaction with someone and they're having strong emotions, I first of all remind myself that the goal right now, Molly, it's connection. This is the goal. This is the opportunity. I can be connected to this person, even in the midst of like some, some you know, irritation and some trouble and some conflict. I can still stay connected. I, I do not have to run. I don't have to do the silent treatment. I don't have to do my passive aggressive thing. I don't have to do that. My goal is to stay connected, right? My goal is to stay connected. So how do I want to? How can I move towards this person, even if they're having strong emotions right now? How can I stay connected? And I know you guys, this is, this is so hard. Like that, that's a big thing to put out there. That is, a, that is a, a big step forward for us. And I want to give us one more little tip on how to stay connected, how to avoid hermit crab and puffer fish, how to stay connected. Here's how. Number two, when I move toward you in love, I show you my heart. When I move toward you in love, I show you my heart. And so here's Danny Silk's second little quote of the day. It's my job to tell me about me. And it's your job to tell you about you. It's my job to tell you about me. And so here's, here's how um, we want to do. We want to tell the person in front of us what's happening inside of, I want to tell you what's happening inside of me. I am not going to tell you what's going on with you. I'm going to tell you what's happening inside of me. I'm going to show you my heart, right? And so I want you guys to grab a piece of paper. There should be paper in front of you because we are going to practice writing something out. This sets the stage for connection when we can do this. And so here's, here's the little trick. This is I messages, not like your iPhone I small messages. It's I, quote, I messages. And here's how I messages work. I feel an emotion. It's like a Mad Lib. I feel an emotion. Hold on, don't write yet. Just get your paper ready. When there's an experience, when this event happens, and I need to feel this emotion. You guys, this right here fosters connection. This fosters vulnerability. It fosters the ability to move towards someone in love. And so I feel a feeling, and I'm just going to give you an example. I feel really anxious when, a lot of times with Kevin, I'll be like, 
when I feel like all the housework and all the laundry is mine and I need to feel hopeful, right? So it's feeling event. So I don't come to Kevin and say, you never help with the laundry. It's a husband's job too, right? Like we don't use, that's telling him about him. So this is all about my feelings, my heart. It is not about my opinions. It's not about my thoughts. It is not about my judgments. So it isn't you always. It isn't as a friend. It's your job too, right? That's an opinion. That's a judgment. And that will break off connection, guys. The whole point here is my heart is vulnerable before you. I'm showing you what's going on inside of me. So I want you to think about a conflict you have recently had, or maybe you're still in. We get lots of opportunities on the way to church, don't we, guys? Come on. That's like prime conflict time. Okay, I want you to, this is your, that's why you have your paper and your pen out. I want you just to think about a conflict you recently, recently had, maybe you're still in, and I want you to identify, I feel, like what would you tell this person? I feel, what's the emotion? Mad, glad, sad, anxious, frustrated, scared, overwhelmed. Those are emotions. When I experienced blank. The event. And I need to feel secure. I need to feel appreciated, valued. That's a big one for me. I need to feel appreciated. Church Mad Lib time, right? We get those filled in. All right. Because you get to be you and they get to be themselves, then the person in front of you decides how they want to respond. This is what I've been doing a lot with my, my kids. Okay, well, how, how do you feel? Instead of just, you are a jerk. No, no, what's going on inside of you? How are you feeling right now? What's going on? And guys, this takes effort. This takes work. I'm telling you, this is my knee jerk is just, it's you. You are the problem. You, 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 right? And I think you should, and I need you too, right? But Kevin and I are working together on this. Okay, wait, what are you feeling right now? What's the emotion that you're having? What do you need? What do you need me to know? So then we, we offer this message, this I message, and then the other person decides what, if they can meet that need. Don't they? They get to decide. There are two people, two equal people in this relationship, and that is a huge deal to know I am standing in front of someone who is equal in God's sight. It's not me and you to make me, you know, whatever. It is two equal people before the Lord in this relationship. So here's the deal. You, you, you want to move towards them in love. You want to show them your, your heart, and then they get to decide if they can meet that need, if they want to. But your job is to, again, just be vulnerable, offer yourself in connection. And they get to decide, can I make the adjustments to meet that need or not? I, you know, and that is up to them. And the, the, again, then you have done what you can to strengthen the connection. So if um, someone doesn't know how to use I messages yet, and you run into someone who's doing a lot of you messages or what seems like an attack, here is one trick because this is going to happen. If you start moving towards people in conflict and you start knowing, knowing how to use these skills, um, here's one thing that you can do. You can reframe it. You can take what's coming at you and reframe it, and you can say something like, it sounds like you feel really scared right now. Is that right? Am I understanding that right? It seems like 
you are feeling really anxious right now? Is there something else I can know? Get understanding. What are you really experiencing? Because I want to connect with where you're at. Tell me more. You can say something like, um, what was going on with you when dot, dot, dot? What was happening with you? I need more understanding. I need to know what was going on with you. Maybe you get a chance to show them the power of that iMessage, and they start going, oh, my goodness, I feel seen. I feel loved. I feel heard in this moment. And um, sometimes what needs to happen if they aren't responding to that, well, then you can set up a boundary. And this is what I do often. Um, I will be like, you know what? I really want to hear what's going on with your heart, but I am not. I can't hear it because I'm now triggered, right? And so I'll have to say, hold on. I can't. I, I really want to know what's going on with you, but I'm not able to hear your heart right now. We're going to have to take a break and come back when you're ready to share your heart because I really want to know your heart in this. I really want to know what's happening with you in this. I'm curious what you're experiencing. So, um, guys, here's the deal. I, I believe that these little, these little things, the mo- being able to move towards each other in connection, in conflict, being able to stay connected as a group of people, is this is a huge deal to the Father's heart, right? This is a huge deal that his kids would be able to stay connected because I have seen so many people uh, just bail on family, on church, on friendships, on on mentoring relationships because of conflict. And we can see this pattern, don't we? I mean, you guys look at the church history. Look, Look at how many people. It's just, it's so fractured and we live such separate lives. And I know the Father's heart is that we're a body that stay connected, that stay connected, that move together towards what he has for us, that we can move towards this Acts 7, 6, that we were able to say we turned the world upside down because we could stay together when it got hard. We could stay connected in conflict. So here's the deal, guys. When we stay connected in conflict, we win. We win. The kingdom wins. When we can fight for connection, the kingdom wins. The world wins. And it is worth it. It is worth it. And so I want you guys this week, here's your assignment. I want you to practice the I message. In the midst of something that starts getting heated, I want you to stop and to remember the goal is connection and practice the I message. And maybe there is somebody in your life that you recognize, I have withdrawn from this person. I have been disconnected. I am avoiding them. Um, I'm avoiding interaction with them because I know what happens. I know how they make me feel. Here's what I'm asking. For somebody that you've maybe been disconnected to, I'm wondering, can you take a step towards them as a powerful person? as a person who carries the ability, the Holy Spirit, the, the, um, the very life of Jesus, can you move towards them this week? Can you just wonder how, how, what's going on in their life? What are they experiencing? Is there one thing you can do to move back towards connection with that person as a powerful person? So that's what I'm hoping we can lean into as a church. Um, can we just stand up and do some prayer time around this? All right, guys, I just imagine a church that can live in one heart and one mind. I imagine a church that doesn't have to divide over theological differences and cultural differences and customs of today. I imagine a church that just brings such glory and honor to the Father because we know how to love each other. And so, God, we are here before you as your beloved, this morning. 
we're here just as sons and daughters with one father and one spirit and one hope and one call, a call to live together as a body, to be connected, parts connected. We're called to know um, that place of connection, to be able to come before you and say, our Father, our Father, where we stand arm in arm, one heart and one mind, our Father, bring your kingdom here. That the world is waiting for this, God. We recognize that the world is waiting for this, that the world wants to see the Father. They're crying out, to show us the Father, to show us the Father. And you have given us, God, you've given us insight how to show off the Father's heart. It's when we do the work of staying connected, where we come together in the midst of differences and backgrounds and desires and do the hard work, staying connected in your love. And God, I ask right now for just for restoration specifically in marriages where we have tendencies and patterns to run, to withdraw, to protect, where we have tendencies to respond to get, to get the other person to, you know, do or to get the other person to give in where we've, we've responded in ways that just... They truly don't represent moving towards each other in love. So God, would you restore relationships in our families? Spouses with kids, siblings, parents, by your spirit. God, we just recognize by your spirit. And then, God, I pray for restoration for your church. I pray for restoration for your church, God, that we would be able to stand in the design of God, the power of the design of God to be a body, to be a body, to be the Acts 2 church that was together, 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 that lived in such powerful connection. God, I recognize that this is why, this is why there's so much division and conflict because, man, the enemy is afraid of what happens to a ch- through a church that's connected. But God, we are here for it. We are here for it. Teach us to speak the truth in love. Teach us to be the ones who just will move towards each other with love, God, with love, connection, with connection as the goal. God, I pray that we will not be afraid of conflict. We won't be afraid of conflict. We won't be afraid of being able to bring each other our hearts and say, just here's where I'm at. Here's the vulnerability of where I'm at. I'm just going to be authentic with you. I'm going to offer myself to you. And then we take care of each other's hearts in those moments. So God, I pray for that we'd see your restoration this week in relationships, that we'd see restoration where we have have just run from people or conflict in our families and our friends and our church. I just pray for restoration.